Welcome to the podcast for Green Hill Church. You can find out more information about Green Hill Church and how to take your next step with Jesus online at greenhillchurch.com. To God be the glory for all that he has done. I want to take just a few minutes to reflect on two verses this morning. As we think about all that God has done in this last year and we look forward to this new year, I started just processing, okay, what do I want to say? We, we want to see God do it again, as Casey said, amen? And we can long for that, and we can love that, and we can desire that, but the question becomes, where does that begin? And this morning, what I want to do is just challenge us as a people to not miss out because we're so consumed with what God wants to do there and miss what God wants to do here. Meaning this, before we turn the clock tonight and enter into 2024, can we just take a minute and reflect on where is our own heart? What does God need to do here in our own hearts so that God can do out there through our lives? One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 139, except the last two verses. And here's why. Because in the last two verses, David request something of God that is honestly frightening. It's frightening. And I don't know what you're asking of God for this next year. Maybe you've faced some things in your life this year that were unexpected, and so you're asking God to do something different. Maybe, maybe there's a relationship situation that you're asking God to do something in. Maybe there's a financial situation. Maybe there's a, a work-related issue. Maybe there's some family things going on. Maybe, maybe there's just a, a sense in which you just need a, a fresh start, and, and you're asking God to do these things. And, and what I would just encourage us for these next couple of minutes is before we ask for those things, would we be willing to ask for what David asks in these two verses? Psalm 139, verse 23 and verse 24, it says this. David says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. What we have here is a frightening petition of David asking God to essentially peel back some layers within his own life, and if you could just imagine for a minute, asking God to take a giant spotlight into the very dark recesses of his soul, of his heart, of his thoughts, of his life, and shining a big spotlight on it and saying, God, would you just reveal everything that is in here? That's a scary ask, isn't it? I, I love Psalm 139, except for these two verses, because for years I, I, I had a misunderstanding, if you will. You see, for me, a relationship with God was more about performance for God than intimacy with God. 
And what I've discovered and what God by his grace has allowed me to see in this is that these verses are essential if I'm going to experience intimacy with God. And if I'm going to see God do anything, and, and, and let, me, let me rephrase that, if I'm going to be a part of God doing anything, then it's going to require first that there's intimacy with me and God before anything else. We can long for God to fill this baptistry. We can, we can long for God to, to reach more families in our community. We can long for um, God to send people to be on mission. But listen, unless our hearts are right, we won't be a part of it. And so David goes before God and he says, search me, O God. Know my heart. Why? Because he longs for intimacy with his father. Now listen. When we think about this idea of God searching our heart, searching our thoughts, seeing if there's any grievous ways in me, it it can be frightening, it can be scary, I understand this, but it's even more so when you consider the context of how David wrote. Consider this for a minute, in Psalm 139, verse 1, David writes this, he says, O Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. This idea that God knows you is the theme throughout this whole chapter. You need to understand, if you're here this morning, that you can't hide from God. You understand this, don't you? He already knows everything there is to know about you. And really, Psalm 139 is divided into three sections. The first section, verses 1 through 6, is essentially a declaration that God is all-knowing. The, the theological term is omniscient. He is all-knowing. And, and what I love about the way David writes in this is when we think of this idea of God being omniscient, that he's all-knowing, we, we see God as this distant God who's this big figure that knows everything that's going on in the world. Absolutely. But David doesn't write this way. What he writes in verses 1 through 6 is, God knows me. He knows when I lie down. He knows when I get up. He knows every word that comes from my mouth even before it comes out. This is a God who knows you. Verses 7 through 12 is David declaring that God is always present, his omnipresent. It's this understanding that you can't go anywhere and and hide from God. He says, when I go um, into the darkest places, that's where God is. When I go to the brightest places, that's where God is. To my left, to my right, everywhere I go, that is where God is. You can't go anywhere where God isn't. But yet he says in verse 10, regardless of where I am, you, God, are always there leading me by your hand. Verses 13 through 18, he reflects on the reality that God is all-powerful, that he's omnipotent, that he holds the key to life, that everything about him is full of power. But it's not just this distant power, it's this power where David says that he formed me, that he made me, that he created me. He says in verse 14, I praise you, God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully Made In verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written the days that were formed for me. And so he's acknowledging the power of God. And so for this whole chapter, 
David outlines this incredible, uh, really, document that we have of these theological truths of God that he is all-knowing, that he is ever-present, that he is all-powerful, and yet in that moment, he says, that's not enough for me, God. I need you, he says in verse 23 and 24, I need you to take all of that might, all of that knowledge, all of that presence that you have, and I need you to go deep down inside the very core of who I am. And I need you to reveal anything inside of me that does not align with you and your ways. I feared these verses for years because I was scared of what might be found. But I had a wrong understanding. I had a wrong understanding. See, from my perspective, my posture was one of performance for God, meaning this, that the inspection that, that David talks about, come, it was, it was a mindset of inspection where, where God was going to come in and he had this checklist. And if I didn't meet up to these certain expectations, when he shined this light in my heart, then all of a sudden, then he was going to love me less or he was going to push me aside or he was going to uh, look down upon me and I was going to be a nobody to him. And what I forgot was that I was a somebody to him because he formed me and he created me and he molded me. And when we see this text and we look at this, when David says um, in this text, when he says, search me, O God, and know my heart, it almost seems like he joyfully wants this to happen. Like, like, like he's longing, like he can't wait for God to do this in his life. And I want to answer the question, why? You see, there's no attitude of reluctance and there's no attitude of arrogance. David knows that God's going to find something when he starts looking. But here's why he asks, and don't miss this. David has experienced life on both sides. Here's what I mean. If you know anything about David, he was king over Israel, an important leader. He was known as a man after God's own heart. God chose him to be the king over Israel. But there was a moment in his life when he looked out and he saw Bathsheba and he had desires that were not of the Lord. And he acted on those desires. And to cover it up, he had the husband of Bathsheba killed. And then he took Bathsheba to be his wife. And it wasn't until God sent someone into his life to confront him on his grievous sin, he was just living his life. But when he was aware of it, what did he do? He confessed. He said, God, forgive me. And God set him free. During that time, there are two Psalms that David writes. Psalm 51 is one of confession, and Psalm 32 are his thoughts and his reflection on that moment, on that confession. Let me read to you Psalm 32, verses 1 through 5, and I want you to picture in your mind what he's saying. He says this, he said, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. This is David talking about the forgiveness that he received from God after this moment with Bathsheba and the killing of her husband. Verse 2, blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. Now listen to verse 3, for when I kept silent, 
My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. So imagine this. when He says, when I kept silent, when I was content with allowing the, the things in the deepest recesses of my life to go unexposed, when I was content to say, just let it rest, just let it be, like, like God, don't, don't pull that stuff out. That's, it's, it's down deep, it's fine, it's there, it's in the past, let's just leave it. His description of that moment of his life was that he felt like his bones were wasting away, that the Lord's hand was heavy upon him, that his strength was dried up. But then in verse 5, he says, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And listen what it says. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. All of a sudden, David experienced the freedom of forgiveness and the intimacy that comes with walking blamelessly before the Lord. And so in context, understanding Psalm 139, David, watch this, is eager for God to search him and to know him, to know his heart, to know his thoughts, and to know his ways, to see if there's anything that's grievous, anything in him that is unpleasing to the Lord. And he says, I want you to shine a light on it. I want you to reveal it. I want you to show it to me, not so that I can be defeated, but rather so that I can be aware of it and lay it before the throne of God. And the grace that comes through Jesus Christ on the cross. This is what David's modeling for us. This is what this request looks like. Is us coming before God and saying, God, I know I'm not perfect. In fact, you know what? You already know everything in here. Would you just reveal it to me? Not to prove a point of how bad I am, but rather to show me how desperately I'm in need of you, and so I can lay it before the throne of God, before his grace. David says, point out anything in me that offends you. And then he says this, he says, lead me on the way everlasting. You understand that the only way that you'll experience everlasting life here on this earth is if God takes you by the hand and he says, follow me, walk with me. And the only way that you'll walk with him is if you're willingly Allow God to shine a deep, bright light into the heart of your life and say, God, show me what's going on here. There's a lot of things that we can ask for for 2024 of God. What would it look like if the people of God humbled themselves to the point to just say, God, would you show me Would you show me what's going on in my heart? Because I need you to do a work in my heart so that I can be your vessel. You see, he says, see if there's any grievous way that's in me. Picture a boat, picture a big ship. See, David recognizes that there is darkness and wickedness and sinfulness all around him. What he cares about is making sure it doesn't get in him. You see a boat on the water, there's water all around it, and that's fine. But when that water starts to come inside that boat, that's when problems begin, isn't it? And what David is saying is he's saying, show me the water. 
show me the, 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 the deep parts of the bottom of the boat that I can't even really see. That, that If there's water there, let me see it so that we can get it pumped out. So then the boat can go about its mission. Church, in these next few minutes, can I just invite you right where you are to take on a posture of submission and surrender and willingness to make this request before the Lord. Right now, if you would, would you be willing to bow your heads and put yourself in this posture? And I'm just gonna invite you into several different postures of what that could look like. It might mean that you wanna come up here to this altar and as we close out this year, a posture of submission and you asking God to search you and know you and see if there's any grievous way in you is you getting on your knees before God down here at the altar. Maybe it's doing that at your chair, on your knees, turned around. Maybe it's just you sitting there with your hands open before God and saying, God, would you show me? Would you do a work in my life? Right where you are, would you just get into that posture? If you want to move to the front, do so. If you want to get on your knees at your chair, do so. If you just want to sit there with your hands open, you just move yourself into a posture of submission and surrender to the Lord as we finish out this year. Would you be willing to pray this prayer? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, O God, and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me. Lead me on the way everlasting. Psalm 51, these are the words that David wrote in confession before God. Maybe God is revealing some things in your heart that you know you need to confess. Listen to these words and just pray them back to the Lord as you hear them. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before you and against you and you only have I sinned. Against you and you only have I done what is evil in your sight. Lord, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness and let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. And this verse right here, can this just be our prayer? Lord, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. 
Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. God, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. God, this is our prayer this morning. God, we long that you would use this church to accomplish your purposes, to accomplish your will, to glorify your name, to proclaim the gospel, to see people walk from death to life. But God, I understand, Lord, and you're showing me, Lord, as long as we long for that, none of it matters if we're not willing to just make sure that our hearts are right as a people. God, we long for your presence. God, we long for intimacy with you. We long to be restored. We long to experience the joy of our salvation. So God, we lay before you. And God, we just ask that you would just show us things in our lives so that we can just lay them before you and that you can deal with them, that you can cleanse, that you can forgive, and that you can have mercy that you can restore and that you can heal and that you can set free and you can bind up wounds and you can give your powerful touch to bring life. So God, we ask that. We beg of that. In Jesus' name, amen. After David writes these words of confession, He says, deliver me from the blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. He says, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You see, worship comes from a contrite heart and a broken spirit. And it's in that posture that forgiveness comes and that freedom comes, and it's from that posture that we can stand before God Almighty and we can declare his praise, for he alone is good. Amen, church? Amen. So here's what we're gonna do. Can we just stand together as a church? We're gonna finish with one last song in this year of 2023, collectively, corporately. God has done tremendous work through this church. God has done tremendous work in this church. And my prayer is that as we enter into 2024, God would do tremendous work in your heart, in your life, rescuing people from sin, setting us free from the darkness so that we can walk in his marvelous light. And in that, we can declare his praise. Amen. Let's declare this last song together. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Green Hill Church. For more information about Green Hill Church, go to greenhillchurch.com. Thanks for listening.